much happening. If you're away for a week, you miss so much. I realize that. Right, before I share what I have in my heart this morning, just want to uh, pray for a few people this morning. Uh, how many of you know the ministry is growing and expanding? And one of the good signs that show us we are growing is when a life group gets too big that you've got to not divide a season for the assemblies of God, a great movement in the nation. One, one of the larger movements, as you know, God raises up different networks, different movements, one church still. End of the day, one church, different congregations, different networks, different everything, yet we're all running with the same vision to see our nation touched with the good news of Jesus. So keep praying for Glenn and his new team. Lots of new plans in place. It'll take them a little while uh, to piece it all together. But it was exciting just hearing the vision of where uh, Glenn and the team want to take AOG. Okay, I've been mulling over this for a while. I mean, I've shared a little bit about this four and a half years ago. So how many of you in Gateway under four and a half years? You've just been with us. Okay, so this will be a, a first for you. But over the last few weeks, I've been thinking over a few things. You know, thinking over a few things, current that's happening all across our nation, things that we've been involved with as a church. And as I was in Bradford, you know, in my little spare time that we get between sessions, I've been thinking about, Lord, what are you saying to us today? What are you saying? And, and strange enough, this message came to me that I shared, uh, like I said, four and a half years ago. And I thought this was so relevant uh, on a number of fronts. We're living in a culture these days where it's getting more and more, I'm trying to get the right word, impersonal is one word. Impersonal is one word to define where the world is going today. It's all about me and my space and my, my life and my world and my likes and my tastes and my everything. And I began to think that God's philosophy is so counterculture. While the world says it's all about me and all about what I want and everything is so customized to my taste, the Lord says it's completely the opposite. It's not about you at all. It's about what can you do for people around you. And I, said, and I was thinking how much the world needs this philosophy in one way or the other, where it's becoming so selfish and God comes in with a very selfless philosophy. Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. And I'm, I mean, I can go over scripture after scripture after scripture. But what I want to just remind us uh, with this morning is if we are children of God, we belong to a whole different mindset. And while we are plagued as we go into the world, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where everything is designed about what do you like? What do you want? How do you fit in? The Lord keeps reminding us that when we become His children, just like Him, it's no longer about us. But we are called to be servants. We are called to be givers. We're called to be lovers. We're called to be forgivers. We're called to be everything that God is to us. In fact, one of the statements I heard recently was, when we love others, don't love people in the way we love God. Think about that. And you think, wow, Chris, I mean, my love for God is so selfless. Why is it that you don't, why are you saying don't love God in the way you love why, why are you saying don't love people in the way you love God? But the statement goes on to say, don't love people in the way you love God. Love people in the way God loves you. 
changes it. Because even with my best capacity, God is still bigger in how he loves us. And that's the culture we want to develop, not just in our lives as individuals, but also in our fellowships all across this nation, all across the world, where people come in and they get a demonstration of the reckless love <laughs> that we sang about. And a lot of times God demonstrates his love through us, his people. And another element of why I'm sharing this with us this morning is sometimes in our pursuit of serving others, we can get disappointed. How many of us know that? We can be disappointed. We, we, we can get stabbed in the back. We can get all kinds of reactions and we think, is it really worth it? And that's another reason why I'm sharing this this morning. Despite what the outcome might be, we still choose to love like he does. We still choose to serve like he does. Again, counterculture, where the world says, listen, that's it. You know, if people don't love you in return, walk away uh, and don't love them. But the Lord says, I still love you despite you not loving me in return. Amen. And so I'm going to read a little few verses and tell you where I'm going with this this morning. Let's read Acts 4 verse 36. I've got the... Uh, verses on the screen for us and you'll remember me sharing a little bit about this but I'm going to give it a little twist this morning. Now it's talking about a guy called Joseph. Not the Joseph of the Old Testament, Joseph in the New Testament. It says for instance there was Joseph the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas which means son of encouragement. Of course, it goes on to say where he was from, but that's my main thing. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And if you remember me sharing this, the title I gave this message was, What is your nickname? What is your nickname? How interesting is that? Now, all of us, whether we like it or not, have a nickname. People, when they f have an encounter with us, they may not tell us, but in their minds, they create a nickname for us. You with me? Oh, that's a great person. That's such a kind person. Oh, that's a rude person. Oh, that's a whatever person. We may not know it, but people are always formulating an opinion about us in their minds. A church can have a nickname in the community. How about that? A church can have a nickname in the community. And my prayer is that all of us as children of God would have a nickname that brings glory to God. That when they think about us, when they think about the church, when they think about you as an individual, when they go away without saying anything verbally in their mind, they say, there goes someone who's a loving person. There goes someone who's a generous person. There goes someone who's a forgiving person. There goes Mr. Encouragement. There goes Mrs. So-and-so. Listen, everyone creates at the back of their mind a nickname about how we behave towards them. And the challenge that I'm putting to us this morning is the question, what is your nickname? There goes Mr. Critical. There goes so-and-so. Listen, hey. You may not know it, but people have an opinion at the back of their minds about you and about me. 
And the Bible says the best, one of the best nicknames for us to have is son or daughter of encouragement. Especially in the context of the world that we're living in. And especially in the context of the things that we're faced with. The Bible encourages us, keep on keeping on. Now I wanted to find out why this guy was given that nickname. There must be a reason. They can't just get up in the morning and say, yep, let's, let's choose to call him son of encouragement. And so I began to read my Bible and find out a little bit more about this guy. And I found five reasons why he was called son of encouragement. Why did they give him a nickname? Let's see number one, Acts 4 verses 32 to 37. Okay, I'm going to read that for you. It says, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they were, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. This is the early church, and I love the early church. That's our template. There was no needy person among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, now this is where that verse comes in. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came into the island of Cyprus. Now this is what he does in the first instance. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. First I'm trying to pick out why he got a nickname. And so this was the first clue that I got while reading, was that he was a participator. He wasn't just someone that sat on the fence and said, yep, what your apostles are doing are good, or what your apostles are doing are not good. He decided to participate and say, count me in. How about that? How many of you know sometimes it's not what we do or what we not do. Sometimes simply showing up says, I'm with you. Just turning up. Just turning up and saying, listen, we're in this together. We're in this together. How many of you know a sense of encouragement comes by simply knowing that someone is saying, I am standing with you. One of my classic passages of scriptures, in, again in, in the book of Acts, uh, when Peter preached his first sermon, if you remember, it says, and Peter stood with the 11. Anyone remembers that? Peter stood with the 11. How many people spoke? How many preached? One. Peter, how many stood? 11. 12. Wasn't very good in my maths. Tw how amazing it shows the model of the early church. Though one person spoke, all 12 stood. They just showed up and said, listen, even if you're doing something that's not significant, we're in this together. We're in this together. And so from the person who puts the chairs, from the person who puts on the kettle, from the person who does something, to, to people who speak at the front, listen, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. And he wasn't just someone who said, fantastic guys, well done. You're doing a great job. It shows that he participated. He was there. He showed up. And I thought, how beautiful. Son of encouragement. He was a giver and a participator. So he gave what he could. He gave what he could. Again, it's not how much. 
It's with the heart. God sees the heart. God sees the heart. And so he was a giver, point number one. And he was a participator. Number two, let's see why he was called son of encouragement. Acts chapter 9, he's mentioned again, verses 26 and 27. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Now, all of you know the story of Saul. He used to persecute the church. And everyone was afraid. Is this guy playing a game? Is it a, is it a, is it a cunning trap to, to get us all and, 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 and stone us to death? And so they were all afraid. They did not believe, the Bible says, he had truly become a believer. Verse 27, look who shows up on the scene. It says, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Wow, amazing. This guy was willing to stand up for the one who messed up and the one who was unpopular. Paul wasn't popular. Saul wasn't popular at that point of time. In fact, everyone said, we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to stay away from him. Yet he had the boldness or he was willing to take a risk. Listen. God took a risk with us. You with me? And God is saying, listen, the world is full of broken people. The, the world is full of people who've messed up a million times. Are we willing it could have been costly. How many of you know it could have been costly? Because if, if Saul hadn't really changed and what the others thought was true, he could have been in trouble. Yet because of his heart of wanting to see someone make it and someone restored, he puts, sticks his head out and says, yep, I'll go and pull Saul and bring him to the rest and try and get him in. I thought, wow, I'm beginning to get a profile about this guy called Barnabas as to why he was given that beautiful nickname, Son of encouragement. Wow. So not only was he a giver and a contributor, that means he was an action person, not just a talking person. Action. Showing up. Count me in. I'm not here to assess what you are doing. I'm here to be part of what you are doing. Number two, he, he was willing to give people a chance even if they messed up. And we could go on with story after story, story after story of people who messed, who messed up and by the grace of God got restored. Amen. Yes, there are times you've got, the balance is important. There are times the Lord would, tough love is part of love. How many of you know that? For the records, I know it's being recorded. Tough love is part of love. And so there are times God would say, listen, you've got to pull back in this situation. Because the prodigal son needs to come to his senses. It's only when he starts eating the food of pigs will he come to his senses. And so there are times God would cause you to allow people to go through a little journey so that they would come to their senses. But what I'm talking about today is the heart. Even when we do that, it comes from a heart of compassion. It's like when I tell my child, I'm not giving you that chocolate. It's not because I hate them. It's because I love them. So everything we do, even when it comes to tough love, it comes from a heart of compassion and the wisdom and direction of God. Amen? So here was he restoring Saul. Number three. Let's look at that. Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 24. It says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now, what had happened? The early church experienced their revival. Yep. But suddenly, revival hit Antioch. 
that was the second base of the early church. And they decided to send, of all people, Barnabas to go and see what's happening in this new place of revival, Antioch. Now it says, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And look what it says. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. I just simply like the words there. And he encouraged the believers. Hey, you may think, I don't know what my ministry is. I'm going to give you a new ministry today. The ministry of encouragement. If you do not know what your calling is, today you're getting a new calling. The calling of becoming an encourager. I can't tell you how much encouragement is required in these days. Anyone can agree with me on that. In fact, what's those statistics? It says for every, whatever, 28 or 31, uh, it, for every negative word, it takes about 28 or 31 positive words to erase the effect of a negative word. And we're living in a culture where kids are growing up with negative words. We're hearing negative words all around us. How much more is there a need for the ministry of encouragement? Ministry of encouragement. In your life groups, how can you encourage your brothers and sisters? I, I, in my notes, I put, he was an everyday encourager. It wasn't just an, 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 he didn't have to look for an incident for someone to do well in order to encourage them. Because sometimes we live in a in culture uh, where you're rewarded for what you do. But encouragement is not a reward. Encouragement is a gift. Take it. God encouraged me so many times, even though I messed up, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his encouragement. Chris, you can make it. Chris, you will finish the race. Chris, don't give up. Listen, we need to hear words of, we hear enough of critical words. What we need is more encouraging words. Well done. When was the last time you told somebody, well done? You'll be shocked if you think back. Some of us may have said it long, 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 long time ago. In our marriages, encouragement is important. With our kids, encouragement is important. In our friend circle, encouragement is important. Encouragement goes a long, 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 long way. And a lot of this you can apply in your life groups. Simply showing up says to the rest of the group, I'm with you in this. I don't just come when it's convenient to me. Listen, we all have inconveniences, but I'll do my best. Because sometimes simply showing up says, I'm with you. Reaching out to the quiet ones, the ones who the others may not want to talk to. Hey, you could be the one, say, I'll stick my head out like Barnabas did. Everyone is still afraid of that person. Let me be the Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And go and embrace the unlovable person and bring them into the fold. How about that? And number three, be an everyday. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So encourage each other. We pray for all the life group pastors. Maybe for those who do not have a ministry, we can pray for you today and give you a new ministry. The ministry of encouragement. Church needs that. The world needs that. We all need that. Amen. Number four, very quickly, moving swiftly forward. Acts 11. This is, this, is, this is super. Verses 25 and 26. It says, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. And just pause over there. Now he's still in Antioch. Okay, he's been sent now 
to serve the revival. He's gone there to, to manage what's happening in this new church in Antioch. But, and at this point of time, Saul is still an unknown guy. I mean, we know Paul as the great apostle, but when we're reading this, Saul was still the kid, new kid on the block. Nobody knows who he is. In fact, everyone's still assessing how good, whether he's genuine or not. And yet, this guy, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and look at verse 26. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Listen, this is where Paul was mentored. <laughs> now, this guy Barnabas could have said, yes, I, I'm, I'm the key guy in this revival. Look, they've sent me. And he could have been in the limelight. But yet he chose, even in the midst of all that, to look out for someone insignificant and say, how can I mentor this guy? In fact, I can share the stage with him so that he can grow into the work of the ministry. Oh, wow. You're beginning to build the profile of this guy called Barnabas and why he was given the nickname. He was investing in other people. He could have said, this is my time to shine. I've worked hard all these years. This is me now. Yet in the midst of that moment, he was looking at building someone else up. He was a giver. He was an encourager. It wasn't about him. And that's my theme this morning. The whole culture of the kingdom. It's not about me. The day we realize in our hearts, it's not about me. It's about people around I tell you, your life will never be the same again. A lot of books are written in the world about how to find happiness. You want to know how to find happiness? Be a giver. Be a giver. The Bible, in fact, says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Sow of yourself into someone else's life. See how you can build someone else's gifting, talent, call. One of the things when I talk to pastors and leaders all around uh, and young leaders, sometimes I, I'm speaking to a lot of young, young leaders, I say one of the ways in which you will grow into your leadership, roll into your calling, into your ministry, is when you serve someone else's ministry and build them up. When you, when you, it's amazing over the years, I've learned that principle over the years, how can I see someone else built up? How can I see someone else develop in their call? How can I see someone else's gifting? And what's so beautiful, without me even realizing, God's building my ministry. Of course, there is no such thing as my ministry. You know what I mean. It's all his ministry. But in terms of our roles, in terms of the, the, the sharpening of the gifts and the, the influence of what you have, it's so amazing. This is a secret. When you invest in building someone else up, God builds you up. I always used to say this. You build his house, he will build your house. The secret of blessings, the secret of mortgages being paid, the, the secret of all kinds of, you know, happiness. Again, money is not, money doesn't bring happiness. God brings happiness. You can have all the money in the world, but no, no happiness. But God can give us happiness and joy that money cannot buy and the world cannot give. But the secret to that is when we give of ourselves, it's amazing how he pours back into our lives. And this was this guy. He's pouring out into Saul, though he was the key guy in that moment of time. Who can you develop and encourage around you in your life groups again? 
people can you come alongside finally point number five this is like this is like the punchline every speaker wants to have a punchline at the end this is this is it okay acts 15 verses 36 to 41 it's look at this now point number five last one after some time paul said to barnabas okay saul's become paul now for those of you who are not aware he's changed his name he's he's become the famous apostle paul he says let's go back he tells barnabas let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of god to see how the new believers are doing barnabas agreed and wanted to take along john mark now look at him he's already thinking of the next guy now so paul is sorted paul's doing well who else can I mentor? Who else can I disciple? Who else can I build up? He's thinking of the next guy, John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly. Why? Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. I mean, he messed up. So he, he messed up and Paul said, listen, I don't want to take the risk with this guy. The last time we gave him a chance, he blew it. I don't want to take him with me this time. Okay? Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated and Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose, chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him, etc., etc., etc. Now, this is the punchline, the next scripture, 2 Timothy 4.11. Now, this verse is written a few months or perhaps a year after what we just read. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark. The same guy who he didn't want with him about a year ago because he messed up. He's now saying, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. If Barnabas did not take a chance with John Mark, perhaps we wouldn't have this verse in the Bible. How many of you inspired by this Son of thunder. Listen, guys, it's painful when we choose to restore people. Not all the time we're going to see results. There are times people walk away from us. There'll be times people decide we don't want to have anything to do with you. After all, it's still worth keeping on, keeping on for the glory of God. Just as Jesus, when he, 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 he healed 10 people, how many came back to say thank you? One. And he made note of that. He says, where's the other nine? Now, that's the ministry for us. Out of 10 people, you'll have one success sometimes. You'll have nine failed. Don't stop doing what you're doing because of the nine failed cases. Keep doing what you're doing because out of the 10, there could be one who will go on to be a great blessing in the harvest field. Hallelujah. There was one man, son of encouragement. Son of Listen, guys, in context of where we are in a world that says, me, 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 my likes, my this, my that, God's culture, which is so beautifully demonstrated by this guy, is what can I do for people around me? What can I do for him? I'll just read one or two verses in the end. And so we're asking ourselves the question, what is our nickname? This morning, what is our nickname? Son of encouragement, son of blessing, son of restoration, and daughters included, daughter of encouragement, or something else. Luke 6.38, I'm going to close in a moment. Give, and it shall be given to you. 
famous verse. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Look at this. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you want to get a great blessing, if you want to receive encouragement, guess what? So encouragement. If you want people to show you love, invest love. Of course, it may not always come from the same people. <laughs> because God is the giver. God will put into our bosom, as the Bible says. He will pour encouragement into our lives. He will pour blessing into our lives. He will pour what, what we keep doing what we can do. Give of your time. Give of your gifts. Give of your time. Give of your give of your finances. I still remember my parents, as young as I was, as young as I was, maybe four or five years old. You know, you know, the Indian currency doesn't carry much weight. And sometimes on your birthday, someone will come and give you a you know five rupee note or ten rupee note. I mean, in those days, yes, you could get a little eclair with that or something. But my parents taught me, even if someone gives you 10 rupees, Chris, the following Sunday, make sure you give your one rupee first to God. And I thank God for those principles that God, my parents taught me. Till today, I can say the blessings of God and His word is true. When we put Him first, you know, I mean, the people have different concepts of tithing, but I think it's a good practice. You know, give, give your one tenth. And that's the key to opening the blessings of God in our lives. That one rupee principle followed me every single day of my life every there were times we didn't have much but i realized if i want to see god's blessings i'll first give him what i've decided in my heart to give him my one tenth everything i remember sitting in my chartered one year in india by then the blessings of god were overflowing we had more than what we required because of his faithfulness and the guy was saying what are you giving so much of money to and i said i'm giving it to god and he, he couldn't I mean, he was, he was a Hindu guy. He couldn't get his head around it. He said, why do you need to give so much? I said, if I don't give so much, I won't get what I'm getting anyway. And I'm not giving to get. I'm giving because I'm grateful for what he's given me. And so in my good times and in my bad times, I've learned to give of my finances, give of my love, give of my time. Give. Even when I didn't have a job, I still remember God is my witness sitting on a hill, you know, close to my house because... I, I couldn't go to work. There was no jobs that I was getting. But I still, I made the statement. I said, Lord, even, even if this takes a long time for me to get a job, I will not stop serving you. I said that. I recognized the culture of heaven is a giving culture. It's not doing, it's being. We were talking about that this morning. It's not, I don't do something because it's a good thing to do. I allow the Holy Spirit to transform me so that I become who he wants me to be. That's the journey of discipleship. From the doing to the becoming. Giving challenge is challenging. But when I become generous, it doesn't pinch me. Because <laughs> I realize that's who I am. Forgiving becomes challenging when I'm doing it. But when I become a forgiving person, it's amazing how it just happens and so there's a journey he's pushing us to be a giver. Give of your time, your money, your gifts, your talents, your everything for the glory of God. John 3.16, God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. And let me close with this illustration I always use. Closing in context with us as believers. Two categories of people the Bible talks of. 
Me first, kingdom first. Me first. That guy went to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. But first, let me build my house. And Jesus said, nope, not good enough. Then the other one says, Jesus, I want to follow you. But first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, not good enough. In other words, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. All these things. The secret of blessing is in following his principles. That's the secret. What I'm actually doing this morning is empowering us to enjoy the abundant life that he's come to give us. It's not a set of rules and regulations. It's not, ah, I've got to do this now. It's empowering us to say, I've got this abundant life. How do I enjoy it? Be a giver. Let me close with that verse I read at the start, and we're going to close in prayer. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What is our nickname? What is your nickname? What is Gateway's nickname? Amen. Let's arise. We're going to close in prayer. Let's arise. Just take a moment. Take a moment. Take a moment. Maybe a fresh start today. Fresh start. Fresh start to say, Lord, I'm going to counter the world's culture. That says it's all about me, all about my likes, all about my tastes, all about my wants, all about my comfort, all about my preference. But Lord, I want to think about the people around me. It may not suit me, but if it suits people around me, I'll go with it. I won't run away from it. I'll go with it. Because I want to be able to sacrifice for the people around me. Just bow our heads just for a moment. Thank you, Father, that you're a giver. You're a giver. You're a giver. You're a giver. Just as you call us to be encouragers, thank you this morning you are here to encourage us. And I want you to be encouraged right now while You've spoken a lot of things. You might be here saying, Chris, I'm going through a very tough moment right now. Tough situation in my life. I want you to know he's reaching out to you right now. He's reaching out to you right now. Wherever you are standing, sitting, whatever, he's reaching out. Because that's, that's, the, that's the God we serve. In as much as he challenges us to his kingdom philosophy, he is it. He is it. So he is a giver. He is an encourager. He's the one who takes risks with us. And if you're sitting here thinking, listen, I've messed up millions of times, Chris. I don't think I stand a chance. God is saying, in his eyes, you still qualify. You still have a chance. You still have many chances. Same things we went through, those five things. You fit into all those categories. He wants to build you up. He hasn't forgotten you, the Lord says. He hasn't forgotten your ministry. He hasn't forgotten your calling. He hasn't forgotten your 
talents. He hasn't forgotten the promises he's made. It's there. It's written. It's yes and amen. And in, the, in his time, he will make all things beautiful. Perhaps this is a season where he's preparing us. In the season, he's, he's just readjusting a few things. He's reconfiguring a few things to prepare you for your higher call in the days ahead. This morning, would you be open to saying, Lord, I want to love you despite whatever I might find myself in right now this morning. I want to still be a giver even before I receive anything from you. I want to act in faith and say, take me. Take me, use me for your glory. How can I be a blessing? We heard the announcement about the kids, kids the holiday club. Lord, I want to sign up. I want to serve somewhere. I want to give of myself to doing something for your kingdom. Before you even answer my own prayers, Lord, I want to follow your culture, which it's more about giving than receiving. It's more about you than about me. It's more about others than about myself. Change me this morning afresh. Afresh. Let's take a song of worship. Let's respond to you.